Welcome to Home Space and Reason, a podcast about creating a home that thrives. Hi there, I'm Christina Browning, your host. If you know your home could be so much more than it is, I discuss home functionality, aesthetics, and automation. I'm the home functionality coach and realtor. I geek out on various subjects regarding your home and yard, challenging you to think of your space differently to get the most out of every square foot. I pose questions for you to think through about your space and your reason. This podcast is all positive, offering you virtual fist bumps and celebrating every win. Remember, there's no such thing as perfect, but you can still aim for your best every day. Episode 10. In this episode, let's discuss home functionality. I don't know how many homes you've been in, whether to live in or visit, but as a realtor, I've been in so very many, and I swear to you that I would become a different person in each house based on what the house's assets were and how it speaks to me when I'm there. Let's pretend for a minute that I'm your realtor. Since I am both a realtor and a home coach, when we walk into homes together, I switch hats often, posing questions about your lifestyle and imagining how the spaces can be used best to their highest potential. Come walk with me into a home that is incredibly spacious and light. The actual square footage of the home isn't necessarily large, but it's not divided up, so it feels generous. The minute the door opens, we notice that the ceilings are high and there's an extra wide main hallway leading straight to a small kitchen. The people who once lived here really weren't that into cooking or it wasn't a priority. The appliances were small scale and tasteful and the kitchen occupied the stretch of one wall at the end of the space turning in the opposite direction, we see a couch with a large ottoman and a hefty, ample, low coffee table. This was the focal point here. Movie buffs, anyone? Standing there as we look at this space together, you can't help but to admit it makes you want to have friends over and sink into the couch with a good bottle of wine and a newly released show. Perhaps I would dive into video production at the next level if I lived here. Let's go next door on this imaginary tour. The home is a forest mossy green color and the front door is a rich fall orange, contrasting the house color impeccably. When I open the door, the layout immediately invites you straight to the backyard visually. The back of the house, which is straight ahead, is almost all windows, highlighting a private sanctuary with either tall hedges or no neighbors to be seen. There's a little conversation area around the campfire and maybe a swimming pool if that's a thing in the part of the world where you live. Maybe it's small, meant for laps only. There's other places to gather with lights strung low for eating outdoors on warm summer evenings beckoning you outside directly from the back door are small, flat stepping stones. 
making wandering through the yard and discovering each area exciting. Who would you be if you lived in this house? Because there's a small lap pool, would you be more fit? Would you have more conversations with your teenagers because the fire pit is literally right there? And s'mores are a wonderful excuse to have their friends over because your house is the cool place to be instead of them going elsewhere. And so we can deduce that making an easy to access fire pit with cozy chairs and great marshmallow sticks is subliminally inviting your teen to be home more without any words even being exchanged. It's spaces to encourage your people to be the very best versions of themselves, to relax and to pause more. I want to emphasize here that the size of these spaces is relative. Large or small to me, in my mind, will be a very different vision than large or small to you because we each see in our mind's eye that with which we have either experienced or imagined and our experiences are different. I have seen the smallest, most exquisite spaces full of luxury and others that are chocked full of character with the best book collection ever. Let's imagine we're meeting a person that has always had a passion for, um, I don't know, smells and scents. Let's imagine that they have always lived in the city and now are looking to move. We're all looking at homes together. You, me, and this lovely person who enjoys smelling things more than the average bear. Like they notice the smell of coffee wafting in the air before we do from the coffee shop down the block. And they always stop to smell the flowers, but we walk right by. They are looking for a home with more natural light one more bathroom than they previously had, and that's about all their requirements are. They didn't really particularly have any opinion about much else. They end up buying this home, and let's fast forward a few months. It's an extra blustery day outside, work is over, and the commute was a nightmare. So this person, will give them a name, um, how about London, since it's neither male or female specific, it can be whomever you're envisioning. London settles into the new tub for the first time with some new bath salts and is unimpressed. So they start experimenting with different bubbles and salts from sweet and perfumed to citrusy and clean. And suddenly the passion for scents turns into an idea and that idea turns into a business. But now backtrack with me. This home influenced this human. They had no idea they even wanted a bathtub. It wasn't on their list of must-haves and it wasn't on their radar when home shopping. The home you choose can literally steer your life in a different direction, aiding you in discovering something you didn't even know yet about yourself. Is your home suppressing or encouraging different activities? What things might be hobbies that turn into a new path for your life? If you're put into an environment that encouraged something different, that sparked a spark inside your soul, whom would you become? 
I read Big Magic, Creating Living Beyond Fear by Elizabeth Gilbert. And she talks about the skill of paying attention to a very subtle peak of interest around the smallest thing. In her case, gardening, specifically flowers, was a thread she pulled and it eventually led to another whole book about the origins of botanical history, a book that includes trade and adventure and global intrigue. But what if she never bothered to listen to that tiny whisper and never bothered to get herself into that New Jersey home that had a space to plant a garden? The pulling of that little thread eventually led her around the planet to England, Holland, and French Polynesia, exploring the history and genetics of seeds. It may not have ever happened at all. All of it happened because of that one decision that she made to buy a home with space in the backyard to plant something. So I want you to consider, as a bird might look down as he flies overhead, how is this home influencing me? Have my choices of what I've put in my home influenced me? Have I chosen a couch so incredibly comfortable that I cannot get out of it for hours yet on the opposite side? Have I not considered adding a space to encourage movement and healthy activity to counter all of that couch sitting? Let's ask some questions. Get your pen and paper. Here we go. Question number one. Have I always longed for something in particular, no matter how small? Maybe that voice was there for you even as a youngster, but for some reason, you've always told it to go back to your corner. Go sit down. I have no time for you here. There is not room for that in my life. I don't see how I can do that thing in this life, in this house, or with this family. But what would it take for you to just consider it? How crazy is it really to finally listen to your voice and without necessarily even telling anyone, just exploring what it would look like or feel like to pull that thread? If you've always dreamt of making and selling the popcorn that your dad used to make, that everyone loved and couldn't get enough of, I mean, what is stopping you, really? What kind of space do you need for it? What tools do you need? Just start making the popcorn. Make room for the things you need in your kitchen and do that by getting rid of stuff you don't use. Gift it forward. Create a home that encourages you and your family to dream and see those dreams fulfilled. If you love woodworking and the lie you are telling yourself is that you have no space for those kinds of tools, stop parking in the garage. Build yourself a shop. Go in on renting a small space with a few other people who have the same dream or check out the tools from your local library of things. If you're not setting your home up to support you, what is stopping you? Stop thinking about a home that is bigger and better and next 
and instead start thinking about what things might I do that will be fun to explore and how can I do that here in this space or with these people? Question two, who would you become if you could live anywhere and what would be the thing that would make you so different? If your answer is, I would be a published writer if I lived in a space that had a really great spot with a view for me to sit and write. Could you work on that where you live? Even if you have no view, I have seen the most incredible wall murals that create unexpected ambiance that can inspire and perhaps get you to the point that you're at least writing regularly. You can never reach the goal without first taking a few steps toward it. Question three, what kind of person is your home encouraging you to become just based on the home you chose and how you filled it? Where is your attention put regularly? Are you in the right home for you? What you focus on grows, so set your home up with intention to support you to be the best version of yourself. And that means healthy, too. I want to tell you about the daughter of a classically trained musician father and a mother who was a fine artist. With a home honoring these passions, this creative entrepreneurial spirit began making and selling beautiful little rings to her classmates. By seventh grade, she was allowed to turn her bedroom into a mock retail store. And by the time she graduated from college, she had saved enough to open what would become her first living laboratory, a shop filled with beautifully packaged bath and beauty treasures. Shortly after opening her shop, consumer demand drove Margot Elena to launch her first nationally distributed brand, elegantly balancing fragrance, formulation, and package design. Margot Elena created Library of Flowers, a company that creates bubble bath, perfumes, and colognes that has been on Oprah's favorite things list for at least a couple of years now. You can't imagine her brand, Library of Flowers, unless the person who created it was allowed to express herself in a home that encouraged expression. Her parents led by example. She saw firsthand what it was like to follow your passion because her parents had followed theirs. Your home is where you eat, sleep, and imagine what's next for you. It's hard to predict where inspiration will strike, but studies have shown there's a relationship between location and ideas. Is it any wonder that Alexander Graham Bell came up with his idea for the telephone in the expansive open valley near his family's home that he called his dreaming place? I find it incredibly interesting walking into the homes of others and imagining who I would be if I lived there. Lucky for many of us, many of the homes of the most prolific scientific and technical geniuses have been preserved for the public. Consider visiting the homes of our greatest inventors and see what they surrounded themselves with. There's a special feeling to be found looking at the places where they ate, slept, and worked, and most importantly, imagined. 
A home in Dayton, Ohio named Hawthorne Hill was where Orville Wright lived for nearly 35 years and was his success home of sorts. It was built after he and his brother found success and filled it with labor-saving devices of Orville's own design, including a water softener, a toaster that could both slice and brown bread, and a system of chains and rods that allowed him to control the furnace from upstairs rooms. He liked to call his home a machine for living. The estate opened for public tours in 2007 and remains open today for tours on a couple days a week. Is there a thread of curiosity that you have not pulled on? A tiny little itty bitty thread, something that may have only made you go, hmm, that's interesting. Even if you don't know why, having the emotional intelligence to observe things about yourself from the outside in can be so powerful. The George Eastman House in Rochester, New York, isn't just a mansion where the father of modern photography and motion pictures lived for nearly 30 years. It's also the world's oldest photography museum. Eastman lived in the 50-room Colonial Revival Mansion from 1905 until his death in 1932, and his house opened to the public as a nonprofit museum in 1949. In 1990, a $1.7 million restoration took place based on vintage photos and other historical evidence. Visitors can see the art, textiles, furniture, and fixtures Eastman surrounded himself with, as well as more than a dozen acres of beautiful gardens, landscaped to look as they did when Eastman lived there. On the second floor of the house, the George Eastman Archive and Study Center maintains vast holdings related to Eastman's life, including personal souvenirs from Eastman's travels, scrapbooks, and more. Benjamin Franklin's sole remaining residence is at 36 Craven Street in London, where he served in 1757 as Colonial Pennsylvania's representative in Britain. How fun would it be to step inside this Georgian-style house and imagine who you would be if you lived there. It's now a museum offering a theatrical historical experience that takes visitors through various rooms of the house to learn more about Franklin's social, political, and scientific life. Thomas Edison and Henry Ford both owned homes in Fort Myers, Florida, in adjoining estates, and they're also open to the public. Edison moved to Fort Myers first, purchasing his property called Seminole Lodge in 1885. His interest was spurred by the presence of bamboo, which he used for the filaments in his light bulbs. His good friend and business partner, Henry Ford, joined him in 1916, purchasing a craftsman-style bungalow known as the Mangoes. The two shared the occasional winter vacation at their twin estates for more than a decade. The lush gardens that now surround the estates are a testament to the botanical inspiration they both found there, investigating crops grown for food, industry, and chemistry. Today, visitors can tour 20 acres of the adjoining estates, whose 15 buildings include both family homes, historic gardens, the Edison Botanic Research Laboratory, and the Edison Ford Museum. How does your home support or discourage your curiosities and the things that you love? 
And if you were to find yourself in a home that allowed you to pull on those threads, where might it take you? Possibly to a whole new life. Something better than you ever imagined. Something greater than you ever dreamed for yourself. Research shows that the creative process in us all is basically the same. Generating ideas, evaluating them, and executing them with many creative sparks over time. Are you setting up spaces, experiences, and moments for your mind to relax and spur creativity? Do you enjoy your bathtub or a reading nook? Do you have a space that speaks to you so much that you can just be in that space? Some homes are so the opposite, so unsettling and volatile that it unwittingly drives people elsewhere like the gym or a work studio outside the home. And this is another form of your home influencing who you become. Misty Copeland is a prime example of wishing to be away from her home and finding solace and support within the walls of a dance studio at the local Boys and Girls Club in San Pedro, California, and then at the San Pedro Ballet School in the early years of her steady climb to the spotlight that she's worked so hard for. How is your home influencing you? If you feel you're not in the right home... We should think about your needs. I recommend always making sure wherever you land includes some flex space. Your house is more than a bed and bathroom count. It's the framework for your life. And I suggest choosing one that you can be in for the long haul. A gentleman named Louis H. Latimer played a key role in the development of both the telephone and the light bulb. When Alexander Graham Bell patented the telephone in 1876, it was Latimer's drawings that were actually on the application. Latimer went on to oversee the installation of street lighting and the construction of electrical plants in several U.S. cities as well as London and Montreal. But it was his invention of a method for creating carbon filaments in electric incandescent lights that left the largest impact, making the production of significantly longer-lasting and more marketable bulbs possible. Latimer moved into a framed wood house in Queens, New York in 1903, staying there until his death in 1928. The house was moved to Flushing, New York in 1988 after being threatened with demolition. The exterior was restored to look as it did in Latimer's time. Inside, exhibits explore Latimer's life and achievements, complete with early light bulbs and reproductions of his patents, drafts, and poems. Matt James, a PhD who wrote an article for Psychology Today, talks about your identity and about disconnecting from your false identities to gain the freedom of who you really are. I will read to you an excerpt of this article titled, Who Are You? As human beings, we are quick to identify ourselves using our circumstances, how others perceive us, our behaviors, or our positions in life. It's somehow comforting to clothe ourselves in these identities, but none of those are really who we are. And the problem with latching onto these identities is, in addition to limiting our growth, it leaves us lost and confused when they're stripped from us. An example is a friend of mine who was a dedicated martial artist in her 20s, but she severely injured her back, 
so martial arts was no longer possible for her. Everything I thought I was had been tied to martial arts, my friends, my work, even my spiritual practice, and with all of that gone, what was left? She had come to the realization that her true identity was beyond her ability to do martial arts. Isn't this pretty common when when marriages break up? It's not just the pain of losing someone you once loved. It's also the devastating loss of who you had become, a wife, a husband, part of a couple. It can feel vulnerable and awkward to walk around without that identity. Who am I now? There is also the loss of the future that identity was heading toward. Maybe the house or the kids or the security of growing old with that partner. Or take the loss of a job. So many people, especially in our culture, identify with their work or their positions. When that job or career is lost, no matter what the reason, even retirement, people report feeling useless, unworthy, even embarrassed or humiliated. Why? Because they can no longer point to an identity that says, I'm an accountant, or I'm a VP of of a marketing firm, or I'm a widgets maker. We even cling to seemingly negative identities. I'm a diabetic, or I am not good with money, or I'm not mechanically inclined. The benefit of maintaining a negative identity is that it surrounds us in an easily defined, cozy comfort zone. We are clear about what we can and cannot do, so we never have to venture out. I love this article because it speaks about a shift in seasons within your life and how important it is to loosen your grip on some of your false identities. When you can see in this way, you open yourself to more possibility, more pulling on those threads of curiosity. You can give yourself permission to create the space for that commercial oven you've always wanted, to just see what you can do with your grandmother's favorite peach cobbler recipe. You don't always have to be identifying as who you currently are today. In 2019, you might be calling yourself an accountant, but in 2020, You may be an entrepreneur of a small business that makes award-winning peach cobbler, all because you bought the house with those peach trees in the backyard. Pull your threads of curiosity. Make space in your home and yard for things that are interesting and that break up the monotony. Make space and room for the things that you seem to lose time in when you do them. If 45 minutes seems like five minutes when you're decorating cookies, listen to that whisper, I love this, do more of this. Or maybe it's find other things like this because it fills my soul. Make sure your lighting is right in that space. Get the tools that give you pleasure to use when you decorate. Make sure you get the photos to share these treasures with others. Take your neighbor's plates of these cookies. This is your home, and the effort you put into your home either supports or discourages exploring your curiosities. Here's a virtual high five for taking baby steps in creating a home that thrives. If you're anything like me, you appreciate visual examples, and so the things I reference here, I post real-time on our private Facebook page called Home Space and Reason. If you subscribe to this podcast and generally listen as the podcasts are released, it's relatively easy to reference the coinciding images hitting the group page. Follow me also on Instagram via my handle Space and Reason. 
If you're enjoying geeking out with me on home functionality and you'd like more, sign up for my email newsletter, Little Bits of Home Functionality. It comes just once a week and is intentionally short. It will include a video and a thought, and always it poses questions for you to think through about your space and your reason. Find the link to sign up in the episode notes and follow along on social media by searching for the handle space and reason. If you'd like to hire me as your home coach or as your realtor and you live in the greater metro Portland, Oregon area, reach out to me through social media or my website, spaceandreason.com. Have a delightful week and I look forward to the next episode of Home, Space, and Reason. Tell your friends who might enjoy this podcast and I'll meet you back here soon. (laughs) 